What's the most epic squad that you can think of? You know, the, the type of squad that goes into the Hall of Fame or goes into the history books. You know, the most epic squad that you can think of. I asked a couple of people that here recently. Any genre, any reasoning, what's the most epic squad you can think of? Here, here are their answers. I asked my wife, Abby, here's what she came up with. The cast of the TV show Friends, if you know Abby, you know that this is spot on. She goes to like trivia nights and, and wins trivia about Friends. This show is probably playing on a TV somewhere in our house right now as I speak to you. So she, she said Friends. I talked to my college roommate Kyle, asked him, what's the most epic squad you can think of? And he thought of a bunch of different things. He thought of the Beatles. He thought of the Avengers. But here's what he came up with. I think his reasoning is pretty funny. This is the Dream Team, the U.S. Olympic team from 1992. And he said, this is the best basketball team of all time except for that guy. That's Christian Leitner. And I thought that, that was just really funny that he, he was hating on Christian Leitner that much. That was his answer to the most epic squad of all time. I asked my son Asher. He's seven years old. Here's what he came up with. This is the Rescue Bots. It's a cartoon of transformers that go around a community and help other people. And I said, hey, buddy, wh why would you say that they're epic? And he said, dad, they're robots. Which I'm like, well, Fair enough. You got me. That's true. I also asked Jerry, our senior lead pastor here at the Ridge, you might have imagined that he came up with a bunch of sports epic squads, which he did. We finally landed on this one. This is the 1976 IU men's basketball team. And here's why they're epic. They're epic because they went 32 and 0. They were the last college basketball team that was undefeated. And they're epic because that helps me pander to like the IU basketball crowd. So that's a good thing. I know if you're a Kentucky fan or Purdue fan, you might be booing at your screen. That's okay. I can take it because I can't hear you. It's all right. But those are some epic squads that, that they came up with. But have you ever been a part of an epic squad? I was thinking about it, and I think I have. I actually would say that the Ridge staff is, is a pretty great team. Here's a picture of us, well, kind of. These are the Facebook avatars that we were playing with here recently, and I think some of them look great. I mean, that, that basically does look like James. This is me. Look like me. I mean, kind of, maybe, maybe, maybe not so much, but I actually checked out some of your Facebook avatars, and they don't all look like you either, so fair is fair, right? But I was thinking about what's my actual answer to this? Have I ever been a part of a squad that I would consider epic, any genre for whatever reason? And yeah, here's what comes to mind. Here it is. This is my men's acapella group for my senior year of high school. We call ourselves Shortage. No, I don't know why we called ourselves that. No, I don't know what it means. Yes. I'm aware that I have a visor on backwards and that I have frosted tips. I'm not proud of it, but you have to own your past, don't you? So here's what makes this epic for me. I mean, we were good friends. We have a lot of good memories, but here's really why I think it's epic. We were able to go into a competition called the Prelude Awards in Indianapolis. It was a performing arts competition. And this group, actually, we won our category. Our names were in the paper. A lot of cool things happened because we won that award. That was a really fun thing to be a part of, a fun squad to be a part of. Are you a part of an epic squad? Or what do you think of when you, when you think of an epic squad? 
Comment right now if you're watching this on Facebook. We'd love to know what you think about your life, if your family's your squad or a sports team, a, a musical group, whatever that might be. I'd encourage you to, to post and let us know, and we can have a little bit of fun about Epic Squads. Now, we are finishing. This is the last week of our series called Squad Goals. And we've been talking about all sorts of different things when it comes to God-honoring healthy relationships. And we've been talking about marriage, we've been talking about families and parenting, and we've been talking about forgiveness and conflict. Last week, Jerry talked about approval. I thought it was a great message. Maybe you checked that out. Maybe you were doing some things for Memorial Day and you weren't able to check that out. I'd encourage you to go to the website right now and, and watch that message about approval. But today kind of to wrap it all up, we're talking about friends. No, not the TV show. Sorry, Abby. I apologize. Got your hopes up. We're talking about friendship. Now, friendship may be one of the most influential things in our lives, but sometimes we don't notice it. We rarely talk about friends or how to keep them or how to find them. We all know a good friend when we have one. We all want a good friend, but we don't always put a lot of thought into being a good friend. And good friends, close friends, are incredibly important to our everyday lives, our everyday happiness, and also our spiritual lives. This is what Proverbs 13.20 says about friends. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. This is basically a description of high school for me. You know, walk with the wise, become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble. Here's what that means. If you hang out with people who are wise and good, you'll likely be good. If you hang out with idiots, the shoe fits, you know, that type of situation. Here's another way to describe that. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Here's a recent study that kind of proves this. Studies showed if your spouse or significant other gains weight, you have a 37% chance of gaining weight. If your sibling or your child gains weight, 40% chance. If your friends gain weight, 57% chance of you gaining weight. So the next time your friend says, hey, you know, let's, let's binge on this package of Twinkies and all the pizza, go, am I, am I associating with a wise person? Or am I walking with a fool? It's that type of situation. If your friends went and jumped off the cliff, have you ever heard that phrase? Well, apparently, study shows 57% of us would make some really bad decisions. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So the question is, who's your squad? Who are your friends? If this statement is true, we have to identify them. We need to know who the most important relationships in our life really are. So take a second, wherever you are, if you're on your couch, if you're watching this there, you know, take out your phone or or take out a piece of paper and start writing down the five closest friends that you have. And no, your spouse doesn't count. That's very cute. And I'm really glad that that you would say that. No, your dog doesn't count. I know it's man's best friend, but that's not really what we're talking about. Write down your five closest friends. And here's why I want you to do that. It's likely that your five closest friends, when you average them together, that's who you are. You're the average of your five closest friends. So 
you look closely at who you've written down, and maybe some of those friends are great. Maybe one or two of them, not so much. But those relationships, friends in our lives, is one of the biggest ways that God uses to influence us. So if you have bad friends, let me show you your future. But if you have friends that seek after God, we show you that future too. So there are some amazing squads, friend groups in the Bible. I mean, Jesus and his followers, his disciples, that's, that's a pretty epic squad. Paul and Barnabas, we're gonna be talking about the life of Paul for the next couple of weeks. But one of the best friendships described in the Bible is between these two guys in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, named David and Jonathan. So here's the setup. These two guys had this amazing friendship that actually changed the course of a whole nation, the whole nation of Israel. David was a boy, and a prophet of God named Samuel came along and anointed and chose David as the future king of Israel. Now you fast forward a few years, and David was this boy who faced a giant named Goliath. Have you ever heard that story? Same David. That's who we're talking about here. And when that happened, there was a king of Israel at the time. It was the first king of Israel named Saul. And after David killed Goliath, he was talking to King Saul and Saul's son, the prince, Jonathan. So this is 1 Samuel 18. That's where we're going to pick up our story. After David had finished talking with Saul, he just defeated Goliath. He met Jonathan, the king's son, There was an immediate bond between them for Jonathan loved David. Have you ever met a friend like that? From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Now, Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. So remember, Jonathan is a prince. And he gave David all of the gear that he would have had because he was the prince. I mean, this is the swag that David needed to look good at this time. And this happens on the first day that they meet. Have you ever met a friend like that? Jonathan is bonding himself to David. And spoiler alert, David does become king of Israel. And Jonathan, the heir to the throne, the person who should, didn't. Now, King Saul got jealous of all the attention that David was getting in the kingdom. So he does what kings do at the time, and he tried to take David out, tried to kill him. So David runs away. And this is kind of epic Games of Thrones types of stuff. Jonathan and David's friendship just is a huge deal in all of this. David keeps running away, and Jonathan keeps sneaking intel to David behind his dad's back. And David's always a step ahead of King Saul. I told you it was Games of Thrones, right? Jonathan even had this system of communicating with like bows and arrows to David. I mean, it wasn't like super spy stuff, but it would have been treason if King Saul had found out. That's how deep this friendship went. And King Saul is hunting down David. David's running for his life. And Jonathan chooses to go out and meet David. This is what he said. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. 
You're going to be the king of Israel, and I will be next to you as my father Saul is well aware. What a great friend. I mean, that's, that's really selfless friendship. I mean, Jonathan has this choice, right? Am I going to be loyal to my dad, or am I going to be loyal to what God wants, and really also to my friend David? So he chooses the friendship. And this is verse 18. So the two of them, David and Jonathan, renewed their solemn pact, kind of like blood brothers, before the Lord. Then Jonathan returned home while David stayed where he was at Horesh. So they affirm this friendship. I mean, it's one for the ages. They are committed. They've made a covenant together. So how does the friendship end? I mean, happily ever after, David as king, Jonathan as, a, as his servant or as his friend. No. A little after this point, Jonathan actually dies in battle. And we don't know for sure, but this might be the last time that they actually even see each other. David finds out on the same day that King Saul and his best friend Jonathan had died. He's devastated. He weeps. It's, it's a miserable day for him. This is kind of this real raw emotion. David loved his friend. And David believed this so much that later in his life, he even sought out the descendants of Jonathan to take care of them, which would have been super weird to do. Do you have a friend like this? Are you a friend like this? I think there's a lot we can learn about friendship and about what it means to find great friends from David and Jonathan. Now, here's the squad goal for today, kind of the big idea I want to leave you with. To find great friends, be a real friend. Well, what does it mean to be a real friend? Well, let's take a look at some of the characteristics of the friend in this story, Jonathan. We're going to start with the letter R. Let's start with reliable. A real friend is reliable. So which friend would you call to save you from like a questionable circumstance at two o'clock in the morning? You know what I mean? Like you went out with your foolish friend and things didn't go well and, and show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And you're going, I need to course correct here. So you, you call your wise friend who will come and get you. That's the reliable friend in your life. The one you'd call when tragedy happens. The one you'd call when you need help. One of the consistent parts of David's life on the run is actually his relationship with Jonathan. When David's in need, over and over and over again, Jonathan's the one who shows up and helps. It doesn't just happen, and it's not the only friend that David had. But Jonathan didn't say, hey, hey, David, I like you and all. I mean, you're great. I just don't have time in my schedule right now. I mean, it's, it's a little dangerous for me to help you. Look, look at the five names that you wrote down. Are they reliable? Are you reliable? Now, the book of Proverbs is, is written mostly by David's son, it's King Solomon. And Solomon is considered to be the wisest man on the earth. Now, I don't know, maybe David told some of his stories to his son about his best friend when he was growing up, but this is what King Solomon writes about friendship. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. 
Are you a friend? Or are you a real friend? I mean, companions, acquaintances, friends are there in good times, but then when things get a little hairy, they're the ones that are gone first. We've all been there, right? But a real friend never leaves you, never betrays you. Real friends stick close. They're reliable. So that's what the R in real stands for. What else makes a real friend? Reliable and E, encouraging. So David's running. He's in trouble. What does Jonathan do? Well, he's reliable. He shows up. And then this is verse 16. Jonathan went to find David and E, encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. I mean, showing up as a real friend is huge, but showing up and encouraging your friend, being supportive, that's a real friend. You have a friend like that? A friend that will show up unannounced, you know, and say things like, stay strong? A friend that knows you so well that they know that you aren't okay, maybe before you know that you aren't okay, and they encourage you and support you and love you in the midst of it no matter what? That's a real friend. Now, a couple of weeks ago, you know, shelter in place was getting me down. This is a really difficult season to navigate, isn't it? And out of the blue, I got a text from a friend. It's a simple one. All it said was, praying for you this morning, lead well, buddy. That's all it said. I have to tell you how encouraging that was for me. It reminded me that I'm not all alone. And it encouraged me to rely on God in the midst of all of this. All because of an eight-word text out of the blue. What does it look like for you to encourage a friend today? Maybe you could be a good listener. Maybe you reach out to the friend you know isn't doing very well. Maybe it's intentionally praying for someone. Maybe it's sending a note of encouragement or it's making a meal. There are all sorts of ways to support a friend. So a real friend, R is reliable, E is encouraging. What's the A stand for? The A stands for authentic. We all want an authentic friend, right? I mean, an authentic friend is the person who's gonna be themselves around you and really encourages you to be yourself around them. Open, honest. Maybe they're gonna tell you the truth. Maybe they're gonna challenge you when you're wrong. A measure, I think, of a good friend is when they tell you the truth, even when it's hard. Do you have friends like that? I think some of the most loving words can be, what are you doing? We need someone who can be authentic with us, warts and all. Help us look at our lives. Help us stay on the right path. That's a real friend. But this is Proverbs 27, 5 through 6. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I mean, I don't like to be rebuked. I don't even like to say the word rebuked. We don't like to be told what to do. And we don't go around and say, I will rebuke you. That's not really how things work. But we all need a friend who's willing to take us aside, lean in, and softly say in our ear, you're being an idiot. That's what we need. And they do so out of love. 
and it doesn't change your relationship with them, that's an authentic friend. A correction from a sincere, a real, authentic friend is way better than fakeness and flattery from a frenemy. Now, should we point out every little fault and idiosyncrasy in somebody's life? Please don't be that friend. No, that's not what we're talking about. That's not what I'm saying. However, what we're saying is there are things that negatively impact us in our lives, and we need friends to help us navigate those things. If you're making some bad decisions in your life that affect your spiritual life and affect your family, a friend can be what God uses to help you. So, have you been evaluating as we're going on? How how are you doing? Are you a reliable friend? Do you have reliable friends? Are you an encouraging friend? Do you have encouraging friends? Are you an authentic friend? Do you have authentic friends? Here's the fourth one. Here's the L. Loving. Reliable, encouraging, authentic, and loving. That's a real friend. Now, where in the world do we find these types of friends? They don't grow on trees. You might look at the piece of paper in front of us and go, how did I find these? Maybe work, school, a neighbor, church. How do you find real friends? Now, one way I think we can find these types of friends is through a local church. Now, you might be feeling disconnected from people at church right now, and I get it. I am missing all of you very much. We've been meeting in our life group some, and it's been great to connect even a little bit like on Zoom. And even if you don't love doing that, I mean, I have a love and hate relationship with Zoom too. I'd still encourage you, check in with people in your life. Check in with your life group. Push through the awkward silences and the goodbye, goodbye at the end. It's worth it. But maybe you aren't a part of a life group right now or you're, you're not meeting. Well, we've been thinking about ways to help people get connected even in the midst of a global pandemic. There's a phrase I didn't know I'd have to say in my life, even in the midst of a global pandemic. So in the month of June, we're launching online groups. So if you're not in a group or if your life group's not meeting right now, I'd encourage you to join one of these online groups. These groups will meet for four weeks to discuss some things in our next series, which is talking about the life of Paul. So you can sign up, click on the link in the video description right here if you're watching this on Facebook, or you can head over to theridge.org. You can sign up there as well. We're going to follow up with you about all the information that you need to know to join an online group if you sign up. Now, these types of groups, life groups, online groups, even just good, healthy, God-honoring friends, they give us an opportunity to connect relationally, which is really good. They also give people a place to grow in their relationship with God. It's a great place to start practicing being a real friend. Now, what does it look like to be a loving friend? Well, let's look at the, the... relationship between David and Jonathan. A loving friend puts others first. A friendship between David and Jonathan, it's real. It's deep. Do you remember what Jonathan does for David? He's sacrificial. He gives up his position for the throne. He put his life on the line. That's an amazing example of a loving friend. Now, do you know who does this on an even greater scale? 
I mean, gave up his standing, put his life on the line. That describes Jesus too. I mean, the example of love that Jonathan shows is just a glimpse of the type of love that Jesus shows too. I mean, Jesus even gives up his position beside God in heaven. This is Philippians 2. Though he was God, talking about Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, even though he could have. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. It's this image of Jonathan taken off the robe, off the sword, off the riches that he deserved by being a prince. Jesus did the same thing. He set aside the riches of heaven and he becomes this reliable, encouraging, authentic, loving friend for us. And Jonathan goes all the way to David when David was weak and scared. And Jesus comes all the way to us when we're weak and vulnerable. And he doesn't expect us to fix ourselves up before he gets here. He meets us right in our dark, vulnerable moment, just like a good friend would. He shows up. And like Jonathan... He loves us sacrificially. He's the perfect friend. So what's your next step today as we talk about all this? What does this matter? What can we apply from this squad goal? To find great friends, be a real friend. Well, maybe you need to move on from some friends who aren't real friends in your life. That's a hard one. Maybe you need to double down on the friends who are reliable and authentic and encouraging and loving in your life. Make sure you're leaning in to those people. Maybe you need to take a step in being the friend that you would want to be. What does it look like for you to be a real friend? Maybe you need to sign up for one of these online groups and pursue real friendships that are going to challenge you. Maybe you just need to accept the friendship that Jesus is offering you as that perfect friend. Now, Jonathan could only remind David of of God's promise, but Jesus doesn't just remind us how good God is. He says, I am God's promise to you. I'm the most reliable, the most encouraging and authentic and loving beyond your wildest imagination. And if you accept Jesus, if you follow him, you can give all of that pain and fear and insecurity you've been carrying around because he's the perfect, real friend. And maybe, just maybe, if Jesus is this perfect friend in our lives, he can be our reminder to be a real friend for the friends in our life. To find great friends, be a real friend. Bow your heads, I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus and the example of a real friend that that he is. And thank you for the friendship and the example of David and Jonathan. I, I admit I'm not always that type of friend. We're trying to be. We aspire to be. Help us do this. Help us live our lives in a way that we are reliable and loving to our friends, that we can be ourselves and, and not be fake and challenge our friends and allow them to challenge us and encourage, be the type of friend that we would want to be. Help us do that this week. 
And Lord, we, we thank you for Jesus and the cross and how his example and his love for us just changes everything. And it allows us to see other people in a way that it's not what we can get from them, but it's a way that we can be selfless and be a real f- friend to them. We love you. And I thank you for today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.